Hello and welcome to this episode of Paideia Ponderings. I'm Dr. David Stan, Headmaster at Oakdale Academy in Waterford, Michigan. And today I want to go through and explain a little bit about the history behind President's Day. And I want to do so by telling us about one of those great men who led this nation um, named George Washington. George Washington, of course, our first president, and so much is known about him and so many um, stories that have endured and legends that have endured uh, the length and breadth of the, of the history of our great nation. But there's so many things that people have forgotten about George Washington as well. And, and as always, as we do these, I rely a lot on um, some research, but specifically on the work of Bill Federer over at the American Minute. Bill does a fantastic job uh, bringing about uh, the light of truth to the history of these United States. And I would encourage you to, to check out Bill's website, uh, The American Minute. You can do a quick uh, search in your preferred search engine. And uh, Bill does some great job and I encourage you to, to look at his books, uh, The Miracles of uh, American History, amongst others, and, and so many great, great stories uh, that Bill shares uh, from his American Minute. You can sign up to get the daily American Minute, and we often share some of those on our own social media sites uh, from Bill Federer. But, but more about George Washington specifically. Uh, George Washington, again, our first president, but George Washington has some amazing things. His birthday is on February 22nd. He was born in 1732, and he lived a life uh, that in many ways, uh, many people would say he was he was favored, he was uh, elevated uh, in many, many different areas and, and lived a comfortable life, at least a comfortable life for the 1700s. But, but George Washington was, uh, did not have the easiest of lives. He certainly had a better life than, than many perhaps, but George Washington was a diligent, hard worker, a devout believer in Jesus Christ and one who dedicated himself in all that he had to the many tasks. So much so that he has so many things about him that were not only firsts, perhaps were onlys uh, in American history. Uh, the Continental Congress unanimously selected him as commander in chief of the army during our revolution. Uh, when the Articles of Confederation were faltering and the Constitutional Convention was, uh, was decided it needed to be called to, to decide what to do he was unanimously chosen as the president of that constitutional convention. He was the only president to be unanimously elected to his first term and then again to his second term. George Washington is the quintessential um, person in, in that 1700 time frame that had everything to lose by standing up for freedom and for liberty and very little to gain. Uh, he put all that he had into the fight for independence and risked the charges of treason, risked losing his fortune, his family, his, his beautiful home and land at Mount Vernon and losing it all. Uh, he could have just simply uh, been a simple, uh, simple man or a great landowner uh, and just kind of gone and lived his life, but he knew the cause of freedom and the cause of liberty and of the United States independence was paramount 
and he fought for that. And we're going to learn a lot more about George Washington in just a minute. Well, back to George Washington. Uh, many of you know that he served under General Edward Braddock uh, during the French and Indian War in the 1750s. And despite the fact that his commanding officer, uh, General Braddock, was killed, Washington survived this battle. Um, and he took command. And then he went uh, on from there and fought at Fort Cumberland. And after that, uh, that horrific battle, where again, it was miraculous that Washington himself would survive. He wrote to his brother, John, quote, by all, by the all powerful dispensations of Providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation, where I had four bullets through my coat and two horses shot out under me, yet escaped unhurt, although death was leveling my companions on every side of me. Can you imagine four bullets through his coat, two, two horses shot underneath, out from underneath him, but yet he gives the glory for his protection to God. And as he continues, he goes to Fort Loudoun, Colonel Washington at the time, 1758, and insists upon the, the institution of a chaplain in his regiment and, and make sure that that was something that continued so that during the revolution, uh, Washington is selected as commander-in-chief by the Continental Congress after the Battle of Bunker Hill in 1775. He wrote to his wife, Martha. He said, my dearest, it has been determined in Congress that the whole army raised for the defense of the American cause shall be put under my care and that it is necessary for me to proceed immediately to Boston to take up command of it. You may believe me when I assure you in the most solemn manner and so far from seeking this appointment, I have used every endeavor in my power to avoid it. But as it has been a kind of destiny that has, under, that has thrown me upon this service, I shall hope that my undertaking it is designed to answer some good purpose. I shall rely, therefore, confidently on that providence which has hereto preserved and been bountiful to me, not doubting but that I shall return safely to you in the fall. Can you... Just imagine the, the, the awestruck nature that Washington had when he was notified that he was to be named, that he had been named commander in chief of the army, so much so that he said, I have tried all that I can to avoid it. Here's a man that would have great power thrust upon him. And as we'll see again later on at the end of his second term as president, he laid down power. And so many studies of leadership would, would echo this next comment that really true leadership when faced with unlimited power true leadership true true integrity and leadership is to be able to lay that power down uh, washington did it and washington did it i think in many ways having a classical education with deference to cincinnatus um, who, who laid down power in rome that he had absolutely for a period of time and washington was going to use though the power for the time he had and was going to do all that he could, not for his own gain, for, but for the American cause. And further, that he was going to ensure the influence of God and of Christianity into his command. What a, what a radical concept. 
But on July 4th, 1775, one year before the Declaration of Independence is signed in Philadelphia, General Washington ordered, and here's the quote from his order of the day, the general requires observance of those articles of war which forbid profane cursing, swearing, and drunkenness, and requires punctual attendance of divine services. Followed up on October 2nd with another order, any soldier who shall hereafter be detected playing at toss-up, pitch, or hustle, or any other game of chance shall without delay be confined and punished. The general does not mean by the above to discourage sports of exercise or recreation. He only means to discountenance and punish gaming. He is trying to shape this, in many ways, uh, unprofessional army into an army that focuses on the right things. He continues to forbid that in February 1776 uh, uh, as he goes forward. But throughout the whole time, he does not just set up these arbitrary rules. He backs them with his faith. On May 15, 1776, under two months before the Declaration of Independence, he says that the Continental Congress, having ordered Friday the 17th instant to be observed as a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, humbly to supplicate the mercy of Almighty God, that it would please him to pardon all our manifold sins and transgressions, and to prosper the arms of the United Colonies, and finally establish the peace and freedom of America upon a solid and lasting foundation. The general commands all officers and soldiers to pay strict obedience to the orders of the Continental Congress. By their unfeigned and pious observance of their religious duties, they may incline the Lord and giver of victory to prosper our arms. And so further, on July 2nd, 1776, from his headquarters in New York, General Washington issued general orders saying, the time is now near at hand which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. Time was certainly at hand two days before the declaration was first read. Whether they are to have any property they can call their own, whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed, and themselves consigned to a state of wretchedness from which no man, uh, no human efforts will deliver them. The fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us no choice but a brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have, therefore, to resolve to conquer or die. Our own country's honor calls upon us for a vigorous and manly exertion, and if we now shamefully fail, we shall become infamous to the whole world. Let us rely upon the goodness of the cause and the aid of the supreme being in whose hands victory is to animate and encourage us to great and noble actions. Immediately upon notification that the Declaration of Independence had been written, Washington read it out to his troops. And he said on July 9th that the general hopes and trust that every officer and man will endeavor so to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. In all of it, he continued to focus on God, even in the darkest hours of the revolution, 
from Valley Forge in that horrible winter of 77 to 1778. He wrote, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to law the more distinguished character of Christians. Even in his relationship with natives to the Delaware Indian chiefs, he wrote to them and he said, you do well to wish and to learn our arts and ways of life and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. Even at victory, the victory that became the end of the revolution at Yorktown, Virginia, on October 19th, 1781. It was bittersweet for Washington himself. Uh, he continued to praise God in all that he did and continued to move forward. When the Articles of Confederation, he was again, he was named as president of the Constitutional Convention when the Articles of Confederation were failing. In 1789, he was sworn in as the first president of the United States. And on October 3rd, 1789, he thanked God for this constitution and said, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, I do recommend rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for the favorable interpositions of his providence we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government. Again, one of the greatest lesson, lessons of leadership was that Washington himself chose to serve only two terms as president, something that was not broken until Franklin Roosevelt came in. And Washington purposely laid down his leadership power. And in his farewell address in 1796, just a few years before his own death, he stated disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual who turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation and the ruins of public liberty. The spirit of encroachment tends to consolidate the powers of all the departments in one and thus to create whatever the form of government, a real despotism. Let there be no change by usurpation, for through this, in one instance, may be the instrument of good, is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. Well, when George III, who had been, or was still at that time, King of England, uh, at the time when Washington uh, fought him in the revolution and then became president, asked the visiting American painter, Benjamin West, what, plan, what he planned to do now that he had won the revolution. Uh, George III simply asked, well, what, what is he going to do? And West said, they say he will return to his farm. And King George III, the man who wanted to retain his colony, said, if he does that, he will be the greatest man in the world. Charles Francis Adam, grandson of John Adams, said, more than all and above all, Washington was master of himself. There'd be one quality more than another in his character which may exercise a useful control over the men of the present hour. It is the total disregard of self when in the most elevated positions for influence and example. George Washington, our first president, 
gave all that he had to the power of God and did all that he did to honor God and to be prepared to lay down all the power that so many men would seek. And did, he did so by laying it down at the feet of his Savior. So as we celebrate President's Day, and as we honor specifically Washington, as well as another great president, Abraham Lincoln, let's remember where their foundation was. It was not in the shifting sands always of politics, but it was on the true rock, the horn of their salvation, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening and celebrate President's Day and with that knowledge in your mind as we thank God for the blessings of these wonderful and amazing United States of America.